I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Sports to the Max News Talk 830 WCCO. Um, here's a text I got referring to my car broke into last night in my, uh, I said my gym bag was other story clothes. Here's one. Hey, Max, he just saw us that someone is trying to sell your jock strap on eBay. <laughs> Kind of ballsy, Maxie. It's kind of ballsy. That's right, man. That'd be a big purchase. Uh, no, I, 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 okay, get me out of this before I get into it, okay? Uh, <laughs> I know. You got one. So I, I said, well, if he says that, then I can offer this one. Uh, joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the one and only Carson Bach, attorney extraordinaire, does a lot of contract work with, with coaches and beyond, and he goes to court a lot, so he's – he sees the fire. He feels the fire a lot. So I was like talking to him about different topics because he's negotiated a lot of deals for uh, coaches, et cetera. But, but now we enter in this NIL, which I find to be just fascinating. Uh, SEC talked about it, Nick Saban and that group. And, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin says, do you have a salary cap? And it's so many things because it's moved at warp speed. Um, that I'm not sure how to get your arms around this and, and who's going to be the winners and who's going to be the losers, but uh, uh, there's some other issues that go with it, and that's why we bring Carson into the program. Carson, thank you for joining us. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good, good. You, you know, you, you've been in the legal industry for a long time. When you first saw this, when they said, hey, players are now, you know, uh, athletes are, can do their, their name, image, likeness, what struck you as the biggest concern, or what did you say from an attorney standpoint with, uh-oh, they just opened Pandora's box to what? <laughs> well, from my perspective, it's great because it's just extra employment. Sure. But from the yeah. world's perspective, from the world's perspective, right? Who is going to educate everybody that hears NIL on what it means? Yeah. So what's going to be the thought process, right? That's my thought. Yep. So, and, so name, and, image, likeness is a pretty broad. So, so if, if you have like a video game of a, a particular university, um, do kids get in on that if they're using their number and their name, or how broad does this thing, from a, a legal standpoint, how, how broad does it does does it spawn out? Well, huge, huge, huge. You own everything about you as long as you haven't signed it away. So you got to read the fine print when you sign that contract with the university and they're telling you what the agreement, the contract is between you and the university when they're going to give you a one-eighth scholarship or a one-quarter scholarship or a one-half scholarship or, oh, my God, a whole scholarship, what you're giving them. Now, today, you've got a whole new arena. You've got a place where you can hire somebody that tells you, hey, wait a minute, before you sign that deal and they give you four years of education and room and board and no books and not all the other stuff, but they allow you to get insurance and everything. Hey, you need an attorney to tell you how much money you can make on your name, 
image and likeness, and you have to define that for them. So well, I don't understand. How, how do you define that? What, what, what's, the, what's the definition of what, what, what is that unique uh, uh, thread that you're talking about putting through the needle that defines name, image, and likeness, and, and versus what? So I, growing up, you remember seeing kids playing at some of the big universities that everybody knows, and they didn't have their names on the back of their uniforms. Yep. We just saw a, a, a number and a helmet. Yep. We don't know who that is. Today, if your name's on the back, we can identify you. It's even beyond that. If you get a little video game now and you get to play Notre Dame and it's from the year 2021 mm-hmm. and you know half their lineup, hey, if one of those guys has that number, that that guy should, could get paid. That is his that image and likeness right there, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. What, and, and think about the difference between sports where you can identify the person, college basketball, men's or women's, okay, versus Football, do you know who the guy is that's number 87? You have no idea until all of a sudden, bang. And then that's that becomes a moneymaker for that individual in that time frame. But how do they so, convert that into money if, if that ship's already sailed and, and they're making these games? And, and now you say, what, uh, I get one, uh, I mean, depending on how many guys show up in the game, I, I, I get a, I mean, how, how do you determine your cut? So let's 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 go backwards a little bit. There's the theory that college athletics is amateurism and that, that all the sports are amateur sports. What you're really doing here is giving buying and leverage power to the individuals that make up those sports. So if there's any way, and of course, when there's a number on the back of a journey, jersey, male or female, we know who it is. That person can command some leverage to get something in a contract. Now, if one school wants that individual and they're willing to have a booster or somebody come and say, well, I want number 87, using that number again, I want number 87 to sell cars or 87 to do this. Then all of a sudden, whether anybody knows who 87 is, there's money coming out from third parties paying number 87 on your school to push a product or to even come and sign with your school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to know who it is. Again, if you have pictures like baseball cards that people can think of and you can see pictures. But think about the broadness of the scope here. All it is is turning college athletics and giving the, the athletes who generate these billions of dollars for colleges and conferences and so on the opportunity to get a piece of their name, image, or likeness. Okay. The argument as to what a name, image, and likeness is we're going to leave that for the courts the next 10, 15 years. Okay. To argue so so that, let me give you another example. Uh, when the Gopher football team, the Gopher football team really doesn't have a lot of guys that are household names, you know, and especially if you, if you go through the whole roster. But, but every year, whoever that person is that, that you would consider to be maybe uh, the most identifiable, maybe, maybe Tanner Morgan this year, you, you'll go to Macy's and you'll see a rack and it'll have Gopher football jerseys with his number on it. Number two in this case, let's just say. Now, it doesn't say Morgan on the back. It's just the Gopher jersey with, with, with number two. D- does that qualify as taking advantage? Because C- you know you're intentionally using the most popular number or the most popular player you can find. You're trying to find that number because you think it will sell more jerseys. But you're, you're not saying it's him and you're not putting his name on the back. What, what, what does that do? So... So think about your question in the professional context, but let us apply it to what we're learning, how it's happening in college sports, okay? If you sell a jersey in the NFL, in football, then the players and quarterbacks get more than anybody else. The players get a cut of that, okay? Now, the same thing's going to happen in college sports. 
you and I, well, you and I are going to know who the quarterback is, but a lot of people may not. But if they right. go in and they buy his jersey, yes, that individual player, before he signs a scholarship with the university, can have a separate contract with the university to say, hey, you sell this jersey during this period of time, I want that. Now, okay. has that has that leverage developed yet? Not in, not in the people we're talking about at the University of Minnesota, but if you go down in the SEC, you can bet yeah. this conversation has yeah. been had by a handful of coaches that are telling you their opinion of of NIL, right? Yep. Well, let's just yeah. say, yeah, because what you're saying is, let's say you want to force that issue because it makes sense. It's your number. People are buying your jersey, et cetera. Okay, so you go in and you say, hey, if you're going to send out and market my jersey at Macy's and it's going to have my number on, even though it doesn't have my name on, I should get a cut of that. Well, what the university can do, unless they think it's going to be an off the racks, can't keep it in stock jersey, they can say, okay, we just won't use your jersey then because we'll just use a different number because we think most of the people would buy it and just go for fans and they're not particular about the number, right? So you, so there is a risk-reward there. It's not as if you can just say, hey, man, I want a piece of everything because the, the university can also say, okay, I get it. We just won't use your number then. Absolutely, and I want to take you back to the first question that you asked me. Stop and think about the window that creates in my profession. Okay, so my number is two. And you're showing the 2022 Gophers. And you don't have the quarterback on your game or on your poster with the number two. Instead, you got a number that there's no rostered guy. Yeah. Guess what? I'm going to sue you. You violated our deal. What's the deal? Do you know what the deal is? Does the public know what the NIL deal is between a recruit for a scholarship coming into the University of Minnesota and why that recruit wants to come to the University of Minnesota? Because some business at, uh, in the Twin Cities wants to use that individual in an NIL deal? No. They have I no see. Because you already got a deal in your pocket. Exactly. And now you're violating. You're screwing me over because you're taking me out of the equation. And the reason I came to this institution is because there's a business. And I don't need to tell you that because it's not my job to tell you that. But they came to me and said they want to market your jersey. And now you're saying we're going to take your jersey off the shelves. Well, you can't do that because I already cut my deal. Exactly. So you've got all just, kinds of implications here. Absolutely. So when you hear people like Nick Saban making comments, or you hear Jimbo Fisher making comments, or you see Lane Kiffin making comments, you got to stop and look at who the individuals are that are trying to educate you on what the issue is. Do you track with me here? Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they want to let you know the complexities of it. Oh, my God. They're trying to tell you what's a problem for them. Okay? Yeah. If they don't have a line of boosters that has got a bunch of money to sign independent deals with these kids to come to their schools through the university, and every university right now is scrambling to educate itself and prepare itself with new employees that understand all of these marketing opportunities, these contract deals and everything, well, all of a sudden it's a whole it's, – it's, it's semi-professional sports is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, Carson Bach is our guest, and we're, and we're, and we're all trying to learn this on the go. Uh, yeah, Lane Kiffin brought up the idea of a salary cap because, you know, obviously they use it in professional sports. That doesn't violate anything if you agree to it. The problem with that, correct me if I'm wrong again, is as soon as you go to salary cap, now you're going to have to have some kind of a players' union or, or something uh, that signs off on something that agrees to a salary cap, correct? Well, we're a little, we're a few steps ahead of ourselves. Um, there was an effort, if you'll recall, the Northwestern kids tried to perform, put together mm-hmm. a union and get certified by the National Rela- Labor Rela- Relations Board for a union to 
represent Division One athletes. That didn't that that didn't pan out. But what you're getting at is the bargaining and leverage power of the individuals, right? Negotiating with the schools individually and forming all these individual contracts. Lane Kiffin wants there to be a salary cap because he doesn't have as many boosters with his deeper pockets. Sure. So let's boosters. make sure Alabama doesn't have too much to spend, right? Exactly. Yeah. Maxie. Where are we when we're talking about salary caps in in Unbelievable. football? And this is, I mean, this, and this is like overnight, right? <laughs> right. Well, so so back to the original question. This is the greatest thing in the world for people to do what I do. Yeah. Right. Yes. I I get contacted at least twice a month by people on nil deal issues. Well, and, 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 and because it's so new to everybody, and, and there's nothing illegal about it, you get that you get to have representation. You get to go out and cut your own deals. You're not doing anything under the table anymore if you want to go for this stuff. Mike, it might be a picture of a gymnast in a uniform by a balance beam. How can that disqualify somebody from amateurism, right? It might be a picture of a football player in colors that look like what he wears for his college team. It could be anything. You track with me, name, image, likeness. All of this is going to have to be litigated and argued about before anybody's going to know, well, where's the gray line? And what Kiff and, and all the coaches that we were talking about, what they're worried about is how much money do I have? How much money do I have, and how do I get more? And now here's the other piece. Exactly. Of it, okay? Now, now the, exactly. And the complications of this, um, oh. and mainly the, you know they're going to be the high end, high profile kids. Let's be honest about this. You know the, the non revenue sports. It'll be Gabe Stevenson's going to make some money and already has, but there's not. Gonna, he's few and far between. Um, but but let's just say hypothetically again. Uh, you go, okay, you need to make appearances for me. And, and Sunday at 8 o'clock, I've got you coming out here to do an appearance uh, for $2,000. You go, great. All of a sudden, the team doesn't play well on Saturday. A coach says, we are having a team meeting on Sunday at 8 o'clock. <laughs> right? I mean, literally, these are the kind of things that are going to come up. It, the the level of interface between college coaches and players today is so radically different than when I start, started this. And if you think about college sports being a developmental, a learning, an educational aspect, what we used to think, and, I, and again, I'm not trying naive at this, but what we used to think happened a long time ago. When kids would go to college and they would learn, they'd be in the college experience, and then that would prepare them to be a professional. Today, at the college level, from the moment that coach is recruiting that individual under the NCAA rules, they are dealing with a professional. Whether or not the child, amateur, young, just over age of 18 athlete is prepared, they are talking about issues that coaches want to control, and it's completely out of their realm. The ultimate control freaks are losing control, and there are no bigger control freaks than college coaches, as you know, uh, Carson, for better or for worse, not now, and you've done a lot of deals here in Minnesota. I don't see the University of Minnesota being a hotbed for NIL deals for kids in general. I mean, I can see high end people getting paid, but but if you, I, I don't see the starting linebacker making a lot of money off of this, and I can see him making some money in other schools. Do you see it that way or not in terms of the appetite for? Maxie, let me throw this at you. How many Division One schools do we have now in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area? Well, St. Thomas and the Gophers. Thank you. Now you know what I'm saying. There's the answer to your question. 
how long is it before you're going to see somebody offered some ridiculous amount of money, the University of St. Thomas, in some way to do something because it's for the Catholic Church or it's associated with any of the benefactors or whatever. Who cares? And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, who's the University of St. Thomas? Do you follow me? Yeah, for sure. And if I'm if I'm them, I'm trying to play that card to get the attention. Now, the bigger problem that the University of St. Thomas is going to have right now is going to be if they get that right recruit and he's really, really good and he and he has two good seasons on Johnny Tower's basketball team, guess what? We're sitting down here at Creighton and we need the guy that has the same skill set that you do. You want to see our NIL deals and, and the transfer portal means that you can step right in and start. So, so it, it, it's not just how schools benefit from it. A school like St. Thomas is going to have to really be on guard to protect themselves. How long before the NCAA finally publicly admits they've lost control with the transport portal? <laughs> yeah. okay. It's free agency is what you're talking about. Is it restricted? No, we don't no. have any restricted. The NCAA doesn't have it. So stop. And I, and I want to make sure for your audience I throw this out there. It's not just the boys. There's girls soccer players. Absolutely. Everybody's players. in. Everybody girls that can get in is in. It's capitalism. Mike, Mike, Mike yep. I, 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 I'm not going to lie and say I get 50-50 between male and female calls for what I do. I'm just telling you, I get potential female clients that would make wonderful NIL clients for uh, an attorney like myself messing in this area that schools are going to have to deal with. And that fundamentally changes college athletics. It fundamentally changes the the funding structure of how college athletics works. And that's why you're starting to hear so much from people I want you to stop and think about this. The people talking, besides being head coaches, are arguably the highest paid public employees of all of these states. Yes, they are. Got it? Yep. Are they experts because they've managed to leverage their position <laughs> and obsession of people with a college sport? Are they, <laughs> Maybe. Are they <laughs> exactly. So, so. So people, this goes back again to one of the first questions you asked, and I'm trying to tell you, where are people going to learn what NIL is? Does your kid have an opportunity to generate income because they can play a sport well? Yes. Get educated. Hire an attorney. Here's a public service message. Hire attorneys like myself to help you go through this area because it is an absolute cornucopia wild, wild west. James, appreciate it very much. We'll talk soon. Take care, Maxie. I'm going to give you another scenario when we come back that will just blow you away. And it will blow the IRS away as well. Stay with us on Sports to the Max. Next News Talk 830 WCCO. So here's another scenario that you have to consider with this NIL. And this is going to be, again, seldom, but it's something worth at least thinking about. Let's say dad or mom are both, uh, or one is very successful. It starts a business that's really successful. One of the things you have a tough time doing is uh, gifting money. There's a limit on it. So now you got a son that's playing, and you go, you know what? I have decided that my son or daughter, uh, if they do this for us to help sell this product, uh, that is worth $50,000 to us. Now, I think it's $10,000 max that you can gift your kid right now tax-free. All of a sudden, now they got a $50,000 job. It comes right off the top for you out of your marketing budget and goes right into your son or daughter's pocket. And I don't think right now you, you couldn't do one thing about that. Now, maybe they'll get some rules and regulations, um, but you couldn't do one thing to stop that right now. Um, <laughs> it's just I don't know. I don't know who's going to regulate this thing. 
But I think I'm going to have more fun covering sports over the next couple of years between the transfer portal and this. I think college sports, in a strange way, uh, is going to become more fascinating to try to weave your way through than ever before. And, yeah, the games are fine, but I always bet the story. And if I can get a good story, I like that. And it looks like there's going to be a lot of good stories coming out. The Timberwolves played the summer games, and uh, Josh Minot played well. Wendell Moore played pretty good. Uh, what does it mean? What do they got in the pipeline here? Kevin Burleson coached them. He's a former gopher, um, and he's assistant coach for Timberwolves. He coached them in Vegas. So let's talk to him and get the scouting report when we come back on Sports to the Max. Welcome back, Sports to the Max, News Talk 830 WCCO, your home to the Twins and the Timberwolves. The Wolves just completing their summer series in Las Vegas. The coach of the team, Kevin Burleson, assistant coach uh, on Chris Finch's staff, but he ran the show out in Vegas, joins us now. And I always enjoy visiting with him on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Kevin, thanks for joining us. No problem. How's it going, y'all? How's it going? Good, man. I, I appreciate you giving us some time after your break after that. Well, what's it like when you go to Vegas and you're in the desert for that long and you're, you know, you're trying to keep these uh, young players busy and get a lot done? What, what, what's that like for you to get professionally to coach that team? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an amazing opportunity. I, I, I thank the organization and Coach uh, and Chris right afterwards. I'm like, this was an amazing opportunity. I was grateful that I got the opportunity. But I did realize that, uh, you know, Chris kind of teased me. I was like, I, decision fatigue is a little little real here. I mean, everything stops at me now. And <laughs> and I actually, I actually loved it, but he was like, you're being a little baby. You you don't know. <laughs> this is this is, a little, this is a small taste, you know. So it was good, good joking about that. But these guys are great. This is probably – I've been in a lot of summer league teams, and I told the, the kids after uh, the summer league that it's probably the, the, the best summer league I've been, a, a, you know, a part of, especially with how hard they play, you know. So it, it was great, man. I think most of, for the most part, they're all they're all locked in. You know, you you just said it when I watched the summer league games that I watched, mainly the Timberwolves, uh, but a couple others. Uh, maybe it's because the stakes are so high to try to make a team, but these kids play hard, don't they? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a little bit to do with us constantly tell them stay out of trouble, just stay focused. Yep. This is this is your job. This is your career. You know, you only get this time once. You know, so like, do it, do it the right way. And um, and we constantly, as a staff, and I'm sure the agents and other people are telling that too. So, but uh, yeah, this is. I mean, prime time in the summer league has grown. Uh, it's, it's amazing now. I mean, tickets are you know even higher, and people are trying to come to the game. So, uh, I think it's a good environment. Kevin, the obviously when you make a trade, the magnitude of Gobert, and you trade away that many players, I'm sure there are lots of guys that summer team that that are eyeing a spot or a chance. Uh, to earn a spot on a roster that was that, that, that has changed and, and, and opened up to a certain degree, uh, is that a part of the vibe? And do you, are there a lot of younger players that want to shot with the Wolves because they can see a, a gateway there to the NBA? Yeah, I mean, and especially when you have a new management, you just never know what they're looking for, and so it's kind of exciting time for the, for these guys because they're like, if I just play well this summer, you never know. I can get a two way, um, partial, something that would get me connected where. I get a chance because, I mean, you know, the old saying is you only, you only need one person to like you. And that, once you're in there, you know, it's up to you. Yeah, now, now I want to talk about a couple of players that uh, are forefront for the Timberwolves because they were in the draft. Uh, Josh Minot was, um, uh, you know, he played at Memphis for a year. Uh, 
I, I met him and interviewed him, uh, you know, when he came in for the press conference, and 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 I was, uh, you know, impressed with him. He seemed like a a young man that minded his p's and q's and knew some things. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I I didn't realize he had the animal instincts in him, man. He he, he gets, uh-huh. I mean, he gets after it. Tell tell me what you saw there because he looked to me, and I know again, small sample size. He's not playing against the NBA players, but you go, whoa, he he looks like he plans on being in this league for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think in practice we saw a little bit of that. I think after. Our practice, some of the staff will talk about the intangibles he would make, I mean, things he would make, uh, like highlights, and just, just things that you, you just don't see for a young kid like that uh, right away. But, you know, he was still, like, raw, so we didn't know how it was going to uh, kind of translate to the game in, in Vegas. And then right away, his first game, he played well. And, and you, you know, every game he was doing something there, you're like, okay, that translates perfect in the NBA. If he can harness that and improve in certain skills, he can have a long career. So I think um, a lot of people were impressed with his play and just – some of his his skill set is unique, you know, and he has a lot to build on. He's young. Uh, yeah. How do you forecast a kid like that? And I mean, how much bigger is he going to get? What, what's his maturity going to be? Because he played for Memphis, but he he wasn't overwhelming on on that roster. Penny yeah. didn't just give him uh, uh, limitless minutes for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, nowadays with Penny, you go to Memphis, you're going to have yeah <laughs> players there, so it's going to be pretty tough just to just do what you want there, but. Um, I think a lot of other people saw the potential. Um, like, like for him, like it's you don't want to rush into it. You don't want to just put him out there in the fire too much. You want to, you know, it's all about growth. And if you can build on his attitude, the way he approaches the game, I, I'll tell you. After our first loss, I mean, it was, a, I mean, it was eight days straight of either practicing or having two a day. So, I mean, I was hard on the guys, but I'm like, I understand both teams' legs were dead and they both shot bad. Josh was so upset, and we had a day off the next day. He was trying to find a way to get in the gym and get shots up. And I'm like, you know, and I, I'm trying to tell him, you know, similarly, we have another game coming. Don't worry. But he, he, he's such a, a basketball player in terms of, like, he wants to be a winner, not just the lifestyle of it. He wants to be a winner. Yeah, he even used the cuss word in the post-game interview live, and he caught himself. You, you probably heard about that, but you yeah. know, are, <laughs> yeah, he learned in the NBA, right? How about how about the Moore kid from Duke? What did you see? Yeah, I mean, when you see uh, Wendell uh, right away, you see he has that uh, the body and the uh, somewhat of the uh, movements that like an NBA player needs to have. Um, I think we, uh, you know, in the summer league, we try to do things. Uh, where we kind of see what the player can do. We put Wendell at the point a lot and, you know, made him run the show, and which is he can do it, but he's not. that's not his natural position. So there was a little uh, learning curve there in terms of knowing all of our sets and stuff like that. But I think he did a pretty good job with that. Um, we all were trying to tell him just to be more aggressive because we do think he has, you know, he could have shown a lot more, I believe. But at the same time, he was trying to play the right way, which I love. You know, sure. he wasn't just trying to be a selfish kid out there. So, I, yeah, his guy's a limit for him. I really love him. I, I have other coaches come up to me and, and was like, wow, like, he's going to be good. Kevin Burleson, our guest, and I go back far enough with you, Kevin, and, and dialed in mm-hmm. enough that I remember you had to make the transition from shooting guard basically to a point guard yep. and run the offense for the Gophers. I've often yep. thought that the most difficult thing is to transition from anywhere to a point guard. How difficult mm. is that? It was that for you? How difficult is that for a kid? Because you really do have to see a different game and not just be thinking score first. Yeah, it's difficult because your natural, I mean, you build, some of your natural instincts you build over time, especially as a kid. So, like, you if you're thinking score first and that's a natural instinct and then you have to, like, now think of it more as a zoom out and understand certain players, what they want to do and this and that. Uh, at the same time, have a you know, complete grasp of the offense and what other players 
when they forget telling them what to do. So it's all this. And you're like, wait a minute. All I have to do is just shoot and score before. Now I got to think about all this. Yeah. So it is a, it is a, it is a definitely a learning curve. And for me, uh, it was a little hard, but at the same time, like I was just like, okay, cut my turnovers down and <laughs> just try to get the ball run off. And, you know, I'll, if I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. So, you know, I try to make it as simple as possible, but it is tough. Do you see, though, Kevin, now as kids, if they have great ball skills and they can shoot it, uh, you know, we're seeing so many different experimentations now, the NBA and beyond. Do you see that that, that, that the two-point guard approach is a pretty can be a pretty good one? Because from the wing, you can, you know, you can run an offense from the wing, too, once you get the ball. You're, you're just looking at space and, and how to attack it. Uh, do you think that will be a trend? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at it like a lot of times with the two point guards. If it, if you got a guy that's you know maybe not a true point guard, um, but he gets into the ball, he's, he has a you know bigger body than a, a, a six one or six foot or five eleven point guard, or whatever, and he gets into the ball and he defends, and all you gotta do is initiate the offense, and then if he has a chance to straight line drive, he can. You see what Boston did uh, uh, in uh, a couple of yeah. teams had some of guards, so like. I just think like that's going to be a more of a trend, just because like, let's be real. I mean, some of the players that are the stars of your team are, you know, they're two, three, and four maybe, you know, and they yep. they're they're the guys that are getting the ball. So if you just got a guy that can initiate the offense, but at the same time, maybe a bigger body that can guard. That's why like uh, when Dale's uh, intriguing because you know he keeps learning the NBA defenses and like really uh, improves on that. He can be be good. All right, last question, Kevin. You also have sat there and done scouting reports for people that don't know the way it works on most NBA teams is they assign different games to different coaches, mm-hmm. and you're in charge of the scouting reports. So you, 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 you break down a lot of different teams along the way. Yeah. When you see Rudy Gobert, what did you see when you played against him, and what will fans see when he gets here in terms of the way you guys play? Well, um, one of the things is we have to constantly tell our guards to go to the rim to finish, meaning like, just his presence sometimes just deters you to even go to the rim. Like he'll, or if he's there now, you might throw up a quicker shot or so like we always have to tell our guards or whoever is attacking the basket, like don't, don't see Rudy Gobert, just see that you're going to attack with force and finish, finish. But it's easier said than done because he's long, he's smart. And then when you get, when you get around the basket, you want to change your shot. So I think the fans are going to see that uh, immediately. Like they're going to see, that his presence is going to just like it's going to improve our defense uh, a lot. So I can't wait to see it. I, I can't either. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for giving us some time on your time off. I look forward to seeing you at the gymnasium soon. Say hi to your buddy Nate. Tell him he's doing a good job in the mornings. Okay. Appreciate it. And I will. I will. And hey, you guys, it's hot out here. I'm I'm still like I'm in Arizona now, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's burning. So it's burning all. Is, is it as hot as they say in Arizona? Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's burning. But I just came from Vegas, so it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You enjoy yourself. Yeah. Go go get in the pool somewhere, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will. Thank you. You bet. Kevin Burleson, nice stuff to join us on News Talk 830 WCCO. They did it again, and I just don't like it. I don't like when people screw with tradition. Uh, tradition is there because we enjoy tradition. We, we embrace tradition. We believe in tradition. We want to see some things we understand the evolution, things evolve, but there are some things that don't need to evolve. It just needs to stay the same, and, and we like it the same, and that's why we call it a tradition. I'm going to tell you about another violation of tradition that is driving me nuts when we come back on Sports to the Max. I'm trying to figure out what song this is. That doesn't help me. What song is it? 
It's called Relatively Easy. Oh, I thought you meant it's Relatively Easy. That should be able to guess the song. No, I felt like we were going into an Abbott and Costello routine. And you said it's Relatively Easy. I thought, well, well, speak for yourself. It didn't seem that easy to me. You know, well, it's Relatively Easy for me because I'm looking at the title. That helps. Well, because it says Relatively Easily. Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah Relatively no, I'm Easy. With, I'm with you. I got you. I got you. All right, Tubby, this is something I don't like. Um, okay. And I, maybe it's been going on for longer than I think. Uh, it could well have been. I don't know if you can research it. Yeah, yeah. let, let, let me help you. But when I was a, a kid growing up, and and beyond, I mean, if this is this change has been made in recent years, certainly not um, not ten years. I don't think um, I, the 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 uh, one one of the most beautiful pieces to the the MLB All Star Game uh, was to watch these guys wearing their own uniform. And to see them on the field representing their 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 team, so they yes. could go, yes. hey, that must be so and so because there's a there's a Cincinnati Red playing left field. George Foster must be in the game, whatever it is. But in baseball, you can do that because you don't have the confusion that you would when you're playing. You're not playing against someone; you're playing against the ball. So therefore, you don't have to worry about passing the ball to the wrong person. All those things, so you can wear your your own uniform. And now they've gone to this, you know, where, where it's, you know, basically it, it has the team's name on a generic uniform that in, by design means it's an all-star jersey that they can sell a replica of after the game. I don't like that. I like the tradition of going, hey, there's three twins standing next to each other for the national anthem, you know? Well, and when you're a kid, when you see somebody with the, with the, the and I just saw the camera got knocked over. Yeah. Um, when you see a player from your favorite team yeah. wearing their jersey. Like, as a kid, I was so excited when I saw one of the twins in the All-Star game. That's what I'm saying. I'm exactly. Like, I'm like, oh, man, that's, you know, Tom Bernanski's in the game. Or, yep. you know, Ken Herbeck's in the game. It's and, like, oh, and, and right now, if you take a wide shot, you got no idea who's no, in the game. No, you, you have no idea. You, you have your your road darks and your home whites. Right. And, and if they show, I don't know who's up to bat unless they give me a graphic. I mean, I'm sure if I followed, you know, the game, you know, closely – uh, you'd recognize more people, but I don't want to have to recognize them. I want to go, oh, that's that Cardinal. That's that guy that's you know leading the league and hitting whatever it is. Yeah, you know? and that's and that's been one of my beefs for a lot of the All Star games. And you know, it's it's just it's all about marketing. It's all about merchandising, and it, it drives me nuts that you can't just have these players. And I understand why. It's the the greed of the marketing. I know, and, but do you think there's that big a boon from being able to put these guys in, in, in their now all-star uniforms, which are different than regular uniforms, mm-hmm. with their name on the back, whatever? Do you, do you think they make that much money off of putting those uniforms in particular on the rack? They, they must make enough. I guess, I yeah. Mean, I guess the they, answer is they wouldn't do it if they yeah, didn't, right? I, yeah, if, if they didn't have people that were purchasing these uniforms, then there's no way that they wouldn't put them up there. But you know during the course of the game – we're going to say, hey, go to MLB.com right now and get your one ninety nine ninety nine Clayton Kershaw you know, I guess, re- man, replica and All-Star and game and jersey. And I guess if on, when the Twins come back home, if you can have a Buxton All-Star jersey, or you're going, go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a step ahead of the game. I, but, but I just wonder how many people would be that consumed with wanting it so bad that they'd go to that yeah, price point. I, I, think, I think you'd be surprised. There are memorabilia collectors that are going to go out there and try and find every piece of clothing for a particular you know, artist or you know, a musician or a player. So, okay, so I, th- I think it happens probably more often than what we think. Now, this is off the off track, but it's a little bit in line with what we're talking about. Remember when somebody bought Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, when they tore it down? Bought every piece and put it in warehouses. And then I don't know if they're selling it, but piece by piece, if they're using it to build. I don't know. But I, I just wonder how they came out on that. 
I I have I have no idea. I can tell I went to the old Yankee Stadium. I and, did too. And the old in the condition that it was in when I was there. Yeah. I probably could have taken a couple of things, put it in my pocket. Nobody would have known. Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was you know. So if not, depressing. I often said because I covered the Twins there a lot in the playoffs. I said if not for the fact that you knew Ruth Gehrig and Mantle played there, it's kind of a dump. Oh, it was. Awful. It's just a stadium. It, the, I mean, the only was, thing that it had was the monuments that were defined. Yeah, you know? and I mean, it, it was it was historic, but in terms of something that you would say, and oh, this is a a great ball. It wasn't a great ballpark. It was more of a uh, a historical monument, I guess is what. Yeah, I and it was only historical because you knew those guys because the ghosts were there. Yeah, it wasn't historical because you go, boy, this would be a this is a really nice place oh, to watch look, a game. Look, yeah, look, look at this piece of plywood that's coming up in the concourse. Yeah, I'm that's gonna, what I mean. I'm yeah. not going to wear sandals because I might. See if you can Google that. See what happened to the guy that owns Yankee Stadium. I will. Okay. When we come back, um, we're going to have some more fun. I'm just telling you, the eight o'clock hour, we got a couple guests that are really good. And Tyrone Terrell played for the Gophers at one point in Thai basketball. And now he's looking out for the city of Minneapolis. We'll visit with him about both when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 